Welcome to another Sunday morning sermon from Marysville Christian Church. We're glad you're here joining us on this journey to learn more, love more, and look more like Jesus. We invite you to grab a cup of coffee and a Bible as we dive into God's Word. In the story of Alice in Wonderland, as she's wandering through a very dark woods, she comes upon a Cheshire cat and has the following exchange with a cat, because who doesn't talk to their cat, right? Tell me which way I ought to go from here. The Cheshire cat's respond is, well, that depends a good deal on where you want to get to. And Alice says, I don't really care much where. At which point the Cheshire cat makes this astute observation. Then it doesn't really matter which way you go. Not knowing which way to go is always something that shakes our world. And it's usually at a very dark moment in our life when everything is confusing and nothing makes sense. In the middle of that, God calls us to be unshakable. He promises to make us unshakable. Let me give you a quick review of our current series on how God promises to make us unshakable. It's his presence that makes us unshakable, according to Isaiah 41.10, when he says, I'm with you, I'm your God, I'll strengthen you, I'll help you, and I'll hold on to you in victory. But it's also his goodness that makes us unshakable. According to Nahum chapter 1, verse 7, the Lord is good, a safe place in times of trouble. He knows and takes care of those who trust Him. We believe that no matter what happens in life, God will work for our good in His glory. And that makes us unshakable, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. In all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And finally, we can't wait, or excuse me, we can wait with unshakable patience in the middle of everything because we know that God hears us and that God responds to us. Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up and put my feet on solid ground. Today, what I want to share with you is that it's God's Word that gives us unshakable direction. It's a very familiar passage from Psalm 119, verse 105. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God will use the Bible to change and stabilize your life. There's nothing more relevant to making your life unshakable than the Word of God. Anything else is just like the blind leading the blind. It doesn't matter whether it's teachers or books or schools or certifications. It's not actors or musicians. It's not websites or influencers on social media. It's not news channels. 
Nothing can take the place of the Word of God giving us direction in life. If COVID has taught us anything, it would simply be this. You can live without the Bible. You can live without church. But only the Word of God can make your life unshakable. D.L. Moody's famous quote runs like this. In the inside of the Bible, he wrote, The Bible will keep you from sin. Or sin will keep you from the Bible. I guess maybe the question to ask is, are you allowing the Bible to be the predominant influence in your walk with God? Or is it just what you feel at the moment? Or is it what you're being told by the world around you? How can I walk with God or follow His lead in my life if I don't see God revealed in His Word? So, from the passage in Psalm 119, verse 105, what is it that God promises when we spend time in His Word? Well, the first thing is, He promises to speak to us. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Bible is God's message, His Word to us. It comes to us from within God like it was His very breath. 1 Corinthians 12 verse, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 13 would say it this way. Every word we speak was taught to us by God's Spirit, not by human wisdom. And this same Spirit, Paul says, helps us teach spiritual truths to spiritual people. A combination of spiritual truth with spiritual words to those who long to become spiritual people. Here's what God promised. If we'll take the time to read and search his message to us, he will reveal life-changing truth to us that will end up making us unshakable. And God makes a second promise to us. Not only will he speak to us, but he'll also guide us. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet that speaks about where I am today, but also a light to my path indicating where it is that I'm headed. You see, God promises that His Word can bring clarity, shedding light on what's directly in, line of, in, in front of us today, right now. Each day has its own temptation. Each day has its own unexpected, out-of-the-blue developments. Each day has more questions than answers. But when we're tempted with the developments of each day, we find ourselves in a very similar situation like with Jesus in Matthew 4 when he was tempted by Satan. His knowledge of the Scripture guided him and allowed him to be unshakable in the midst of his own temptation. A light for the path not only illuminates where you are right now, but also the area around you. It's like the difference between the dash light of your radio and your car's headlights on high beam. If all you've got is your radio on, you're probably not going to see the deer that runs out in front of you. And even if your headlights are on, you may not see it. God's Word not only helps me to see where I am, but it also clarifies the direction that I'm headed in. And it helps me see what's coming so that I can make adjustments before it's too late. 
Now, I'm about to say some things that are not intended to be mean, but I do intend to be very blunt and straightforward with you. I'm not angry, but I want to be incredibly honest and straight with you. Bible study has not always been a priority at Marysville Christian Church. I take no joy in saying that. I don't intend to shove anybody under the bus in saying that. I'm just telling you the truth. And because of that, what impact has that had on our kids? What impact has that had on our adults? What impact has it had on our congregation and our community? I mean, seriously, go ahead. Try to convince me that it doesn't matter whether or not your kids are in Bible class. Try to convince me over the last 20 years or more that it didn't really matter whether or not our kids just came for fun and games or whether they actually got into the Word of God. Try to convince me that it didn't have a negative effect on our relationship with God when our kids looked at us as their parents or as their teachers and youth leaders and sponsors and didn't necessarily see a life that was fully devoted and committed to living God's way and following God's direction for life. I know this. Nothing in our world makes sense because we're being told there are no absolutes. There's no such thing as absolute truth, and they're absolutely confident that there's no such thing as absolute truth. I know, gives me a headache too. But we're told now, and everything around us says that we live now in a world, a society, a culture where up is down, down is up, right is wrong, and wrong is right. And in that world, we're being told that the number one threat to our life is Mr. Potato Head or Dr. Seuss and the Cat in a Hat. Of course, the same people that are confused about whether they're a male or female are the ones trying to tell us absolutely what we can know for sure. I don't know what it was like in Paul's day, but I do know that Paul was desperate to make sure that his protege, Timothy, would remain unshakable in his world that was just as uncertain about where God would want them to follow him. So I want to take some time now and just go through 2 Timothy because I think the theme all throughout 2 Timothy is simply a reaffirmation of this truth. God's Word is what will make us unshakable. For example, let me highlight some things real quickly for you. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, you see a theme develop where Paul is telling Timothy, don't let your faith be shaken by intimidation. For example, again, all this is in chapter 1. In verse 5, he would say, I remember your true faith. So he does have faith. He is a believer. He is a follower of, of Jesus. 
But he says, that faith first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that you now have that same faith, so keep using the gift that God gave you and let it grow from a small spark into a flame. Verse 7, though, he reminds Timothy, God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. That's why he says, don't let your faith be shaken by intimidation and by fear. Verse 8, don't be ashamed to tell people about our Lord Jesus. And don't be ashamed of me, but suffer with me for the good news. And listen to this then in verse 8, God gives us the strength to do that. We don't have to be intimidated by our own fear and apprehension. We can be unshakable in our faith. Now he goes on to say, I know it's not easy, but I've learned how to be unshakable too, and so can you. In verse 12 of chapter 1, I'm suffering now, but I'm not ashamed because I know Jesus, the one in whom I believed. Jesus can and will help us be unshakable. That's the truth that Paul learned to live by. In verse 12, it says he's able to protect what he's entrusted me with until that day when he comes again. You've got to accept responsibility if you're going to be unshakable. And that's why in verse 13, he says, follow the pattern of true teachings as you've heard from of me in faith and love, which are in Christ. Protect the truth. Yes, that's an absolute truth. And Paul says to Timothy, his protege, that he wants to be unshakable. You have to accept the responsibility of protecting the truth. Stand for the truth. And do so with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. And then he gives him a negative illustration of how some have not been unshakable. In verse 15, he says, you know that everyone in Asia has left me. Even if I jealous and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the family of Onesiphorus, who has often helped me. So some are shakable, some are not shakable. Then you get into chapter 2, where you start to see the theme develop where Paul would tell Timothy, you have got to stay focused if you're going to be unshakable. Things like this, focus on his grace to make you unshakable. Verse 1, be strong in the grace that we have in Christ. Yeah, but I'm not perfect. Be strong in the grace that we have in Christ. But you don't understand how I messed up. Paul, I'm not you. Be strong in the grace that we have in Christ. But I don't know which way to go from here. I don't know how to be strong in the grace that we have in Christ. Focus on your influence to be unshakable. Verse 2, he says, you should teach people whom you can trust the things that you and many others have heard me say, and then they'll be able to teach others also. Focus on the results of your choices to be unshakable. In verses 4 through 6, he would illustrate that principle by reminding him that in many ways we're like soldiers who want to please our our officers and commanders. We're like athletes who obey the rules and discipline ourselves. And we're like farmers who work hard and expect to get a reward of the harvest when that time comes. He then reminds him 
that it's not just him. He's not trying to puff himself up, but he tells Timothy, Jesus was unshakable, and so can you be. In verse 11, he says, this teaching is true. If we died with him, him being Jesus, then we will also live with him. Even death did not shake Jesus. Verse 12, if we accept suffering, then we will also rule with him, even in spite of the suffering that we encounter in a world gone mad. Because like the Cheshire cat said, we're all mad here. In a world gone mad. Even Jesus reminds us, if we are faithful to him, if we're unshakable in our resolve to follow his lead, we will rule with him. And if we're not faithful, he'll still be faithful because he must be true to who he is. But now, here again, still in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul starts to make things personal. If we're going to stay unshakable in our faith, we need to be unshakable in our words. Verse 13, warn people not to argue about words. It doesn't help anyone and it only ruins those who listen. Stay away from foolish, useless talk because that will lead people further away from God. Verse 17, their evil teaching will spread like sickness inside the body. And he gives a couple of illustrations of Hymenaeus and Philetus who are like that. He says they've left the true teaching and they're destroying the faith of other people. But by contrast, verse 19, he says God's strong foundation continues to stand. You might say, unshakable. And these are the words written on the seal. The Lord knows those who belong to him. And everyone who wants to belong to the Lord must stop doing wrong. Do you hear that? Paul writes to Timothy, who he wants to be unshakable. And he says, if you're going to be unshakable, it's not enough just to say the right thing. It's not enough just to know the right thing. You have to be willing to do the right thing even if it means that you learn to stop doing what you know is the wrong thing to do. That sounds kind of personal. And that's why if we're going to be unshakable, we need to clean up our private life. Verse 21, all who make themselves clean from evil. That's another way of describing holiness. That's another way of describing sanctification. But all of that simply describes being Christ-like. We will be used by God. They'll be made holy and useful to the master and ready to do any good work. By contrast, verse 22, he says, you need to run from the evil desires of youth. Now, a lot of times when you read verse 22 about the evil desires of youth, people automatically think sex. But I'm telling you, there's a lot more evil about the desire of youth than just sex. For the evil desire of youth is quite honestly very just self-driven. I want what I want and I want it now. And you know, imagine a foot stomp in there. I want what I want, not only now, but I want what I want and I don't care what effect it has on you. I don't, ha- I don't care how inconvenient it is for you. I don't care what it costs you. I want my way. Flee the evil desire 
of you. That's why he says, if you're going to be unshakable, you need to do that so that you can watch how others influence you. Verse 22, try hard to live right. To have faith, love, and peace. Together with those who trust in the Lord from pure hearts. Stay away from foolish and stupid arguments. That doesn't sound like an argument about sex. But that would certainly be an evil desire of the inexperienced and immature, wouldn't it? They'll stand there just like a two-year-old and argue with you all day long. And you're never going to win an argument with a two-year-old if you just try to reason with them. Stay away from foolish and stupid arguments. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, a good teacher, and be patient. The Lord's servant must be gentle as they teach those who disagree so that they may wake up and escape the trap of the devil who catches them to do what he wants. It's then that Paul moves into chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, still focusing on how to make Timothy unshakable. And I promise it will sound like he's talking to Marysville today. He wants Timothy to understand how to stay unshakable even when the society around him is falling apart. Listen to how he phrases it in 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. Know this, in these last days there will be trouble. Because people will love themselves. They'll love money. They brag and are proud. They'll say evil things against others. And they'll not obey their parents or be thankful or be the kind of people that God wants them to be. They won't love others. They refuse to forgive. They'll gossip. They won't control themselves. They will be cruel. They'll hate what's good and turn against their friends. They'll do foolish things without thinking. And they'll be conceited, loving pleasure instead of loving God. And in verse 5, and they'll act as if they serve God, but they will not have his power. Stay away from those people, he says. If we're going to be unshakable in our faith, like Paul wanted Timothy to be, you have to be so determined that you're not ever going to give up. That's what he says in verse 10. You know I never give up. You know how I've been hurt and how I've suffered. And he reminds him of other places that they'd been experiencing together. Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. I don't know what happened there. But what I do know is it left a mark. It left a scar on Paul. But he says, I didn't give up. I suffered, but the Lord saved me. Verse 12, everyone who wants to live as God desires in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You can't give up when everything in the society around you is falling apart. People who are evil and cheat others will go from bad to worse. They'll fool others, but they'll also be fooling themselves. And then he comes to a classic part of his letter that really stresses that it's the Word of God that makes Timothy and us 
unshakable. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 14, he begins, You must remain faithful, unshakable, to the things that you've been taught. You know they're true, for you know that you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught that the Holy Scriptures from your own childhood have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ. And then he goes on with this famous passage, all Scripture is inspired by God. It comes from within God Himself and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. And then he begins chapter 4. We must be unshakable when it comes to God's Word. He continues that train of thought by saying, I solemnly urge you, preach the Word of God. Proclaim the good news, you might say. Don't be intimidated. Don't be rattled by what's going on around you. Preach the Word of God. Prepare yourself and be ready, whether it's in season or out of season, whether the time seems right or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Why is this such a big deal to Paul? Verse 3 says, For the time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound, wholesome teaching. Timothy, if you're waiting for people to be excited about what you're telling them, you're not ever going to be unshakable. You cannot allow your stability to depend on how other people respond to the Word of God. And he goes on in verse 3 of chapter 4 to tell him why. They'll follow their own desire. They'll look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They'll reject the truth and they'll chase after myths. You can't rely on other people for you to be unshakable. Instead, verse 5, he says, you need to keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry that God's given you. And he reminds him that God will reward us if we are unshakable. Verse 6, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race laid out before me. I have remained faithful. Paul was clear in the direction that God wanted for his life. And he says, and now, because I finished the race, because I remain faithful, because I've been unshakable, you might say, verse 8, now the prize awaits me, the crown for righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me when he returns. And that prize is not just for me, but it's for all those who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Being unshakable comes at a price. 
In verse 10, he says, Demas has deserted me because he loved the things of this life more. In verse 14, he calls out Alexander the coppersmith for the harm that he did Paul. And he warns Timothy, be careful of him, verse 15, because he fought against everything we said. The very first time that I was brought before the judge, everyone else abandoned me. And he kind of wraps the whole letter up with this. Timothy, God will make us unshakable. Because in verse 17, he says, the Lord stood with me. And he gave me strength so that I might preach the gospel in its entirety for the Gentiles to hear. He rescued me from certain death. And yes, the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. And then this parting word. May the Lord be with your spirit and may his grace be with all of you. Charles Swindoll kind of summarized what Paul was saying to Timothy and the rest of us this way. Those who struggle the least with the will of God are often those who know the word of God best. When society is falling apart around us, when everything that happens every year brings another event or virus that's going to kill us all, you can depend on the word of God to give you clarity and direction. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. God will speak to you, God will guide you, and God will make you unshakable. The question is this, are you receptive to the message of God in your life? I guess it's kind of like Jesus talked about in Mark chapter 4 when he compared us to different types of soil when it comes to receiving the word of God. Some people are hardened and unfazed no matter what God would say to them. Other people are excited to hear from God but they're shallow and have no root. Others are so open-minded they'll accept anything and everything but they end up being choked out by the weeds and the worries and the anxiety of life. And yet others, others are ready to receive the Word of God and grow and live productive lives, lives of faith that are unshakable. So, are you receptive to the message of God in your life? We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Marysville Christian Church and connect with us, be sure to go to our website, marysvillechristian.org. If you are near the Marysville area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday morning. We have our Bible study classes at 9 a.m. and our regular worship service is at 10 a.m. Our address is 17,000 Waldo Road, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. Our phone number is 937-642-9838. Email is office at marysvillechristian.org.